Welcome back to the bus driver experience. Long, long hiatus. One of the longest hiatuses ever taking on podcasting. It kind of felt weird not podcasting for this long. And uh, it's kind of weird that uh, at the same time that I haven't done it in so long. So I'm very excited to be back. And if you watch this show on YouTube, you will see how big the smile is on my face. Not just because of the guests I got to speak with on this show, but because all the guests I get to talk to and all the amazing conversations I get to have. Because this thing is a... As much as a learning experience as it is is for me, as it is to share the amazing insights, experiences, and knowledge that a lot of my guests have. Um, back to you, the audience member. The show couldn't happen without you. I get to see who listens. I get to see how many of you listen. And uh, even regardless, that would happen. I would still do this. I really love the podcasting space, and I love uh, getting the ability to help people with their podcasts. So I'll just go in. Let's just jump right into today's episode. We have Rob Garza. Rob is one half of the Thievery Corporation. The Thievery Corporation is a electronic music duo that's been in the game for 25 plus years and they sample music from all around the world in their songs. And sometimes when they're on stage at some of their shows, they have five different people who may be singing or uh, taking on songs in their performances. If you haven't checked them out, please go out and do so. They're an amazing group. They will be touring again coming soon, but Rob right now is on a tour with a different sound, it's called Garza, and that's with a different electronic music group, it's a four or five man piece, and they're currently touring North America, which is USA and Canada, so check the link in bio where and when they are going to be touring, and I really hope you like this conversation, um, it has a lot to do with the Corporation, Rob, Rob's background, and um, different parts of uh, the music space, and just different inspirations for people who are working in creative spaces to, you know, not wait around. It's all about execution. A pound of ideation is worth an ounce of execution. You got to get out there and you got to do it. If you're not doing it, you're going to be missing out and you can't wait around for the new gizmo, the new gadget, and the new toy. You just got to go. So I'm very excited for this episode. Episode 18. Welcome back, everybody. Rob Garza and the bus driver experience. Okay. What is going on with all this equipment? I mean, is this primarily needed like for, I know people are going to be watching this stuff. We're in a music studio here in Los Angeles and mostly for electronic music. But I mean, could anybody come in here and make, I mean, any well, kind of music? I think you music? have to know what's going on with all these knobs and everything. Okay. And these are modular synthesizers. So, you know, there's so many things, you know, technology that exists today where you can kind of just compose music without really knowing anything about any of this, you know, like you know, this garage band and things where you can just take in samples and stuff like that. It's kind of similar to being a photographer and uh, having a dark room, you know, mm -hmm. people don't really use that these days, but this is kind of similar to having that sort of thing kind of, I love it because I like to geek out on gear and stuff like that. So likewise, no, yeah. the more <laughs> I got into it, people don't realize too. I mean, I picked up a microphone probably three years ago. Mm -hmm. I picked up a camera two years ago. And, you know, here I am today. You it's... picked up a bus somewhere along the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bus about two years ago, too. And um, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy story. The journey that uh, we all get to go on, you know, never, ever, ever goes as planned. Nope. Never goes. And I mean, um, just like life. Yeah. And it's so hard to leave control. It's so hard to leave control of, you know, the things that, you know, we want to hang on to. And yeah. we want to hold on to, you know, how we want to get there. But, you know, no mm. matter what we're going to plan or what we're going to plan, like we draw a line on the map saying this is what I'm going to get to get from the start to the finish. It's never that way. No, 
never seems that way. Well, it never seems that way, but it just it's never going to go to plan. It's yeah. like, it's, you're going to get there. You just have no idea how it's going to happen. I know. Oh. Yeah, when I started, I started off with uh, using a lot of equipment like this. Uh, my family moved to Connecticut, and I was uh, in ninth grade, and this was about 1984. And uh, they had one of the only two electronic music classes in high school as an elective. And I started just... But you still had it, though? Like, even 1984, Connecticut? Yeah, and That's I mean, my family moved there, and so I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. So I started messing around with analog synths, step sequencers, drum machines, samplers things like that and then that's how I just got into electronic music before that I was really into new wave and then hip-hop was happening and things like that and so it was just really inspiring to be in that sort of environment yeah the birth of hip-hop what would be new wave considered but I mean anything going back to like I mean when you look at like Devo when that came out or you know Flock whip, of Seagulls. Devo Whip It. Yeah, and all yeah. this, you know, when you I hear ran all those Flock of Seagulls, yeah. synth sounds and things like that and sort of those oh, that whole like 30 Simmons drums sort of Minute build-up in the Flock of Seagulls. Yeah, stuff like that, which I loved. No, I mean, all that stuff is, uh, it, it, it's pretty cool how, you know, when you look back in time and you look about, you know, we look at rock and roll and rock and roll sampling, you know, the blues and... Yeah. Um, what other music would say? Was there some forms of jazz and I don't know if saying rock and roll? Yeah. But uh, all the music that was infused and inspired to create certain things. Yep. And that I've heard you say this, and this is like the coolest thing, is that electronic music is probably one of the most open platform that uses so much different sounds from yeah. different places. Yeah. Like I the mean, genre itself. Exactly. I mean, you know, people talk about electronic music and they just think of EDM, but like I also think of hip hop as electronic music or uh, dub music from Jamaica, you know, people were really using technology and things like that to really trip things out and get sort of all these echoes and dubs and things like that going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, electronic music is just part of our fabric now and the way that we create music. Yeah, I mean, all, all music is, you know, very, very, very heavily influenced by, yeah. you know, you're going to throw in some analog synthesizers or it's going to have to go into a studio and have some kind of sound in there, you know, whether you're going to have to even make a you know, with a synthesizer, a kick drum, yeah. or a bass to, yeah. to make a track. And that sense, even country music is electronic music because they use computers and things like that to actually record and do stuff, you know. And oh, back don't, in the don't tell people <laughs> that. I mean, because electronic music has, has that terrible connotation next to it. Mm-hmm. Where people are like, you know, when you think of DJing or what's that guy actually, or guy or girl actually doing up there? You yeah. Know, what actually goes into all that? And I've tried to get behind turntables with you know, my buddies in the house, and it's like, you know, just trying to get the beat to match up with the other beat over there. Yeah. If you're not um, mixing something in the same uh, beat per minute, it's like, oh, my God. It sounds like shoes in the dryer. <laughs> we put this down. I don't want to touch it. There's a terrible transition. Well, now, you know, like with everything with technology, they have the sync buttons, and you can just hit the sync, and it'll match it all up for you. So, you know, it's kind of like Instagram filters. You know, if you're a photographer, you know, people just use that. It's just like, damn. Let's jump back to 1984. Now, you said you moved to Connecticut. Where did you move to Connecticut from? A place uh, from outside of D.C., a very rural community called uh, Walkersville, Maryland. It's a lot of uh, dairy farms and cornfields and things like that. And, you know, my family moved to Connecticut, and then we moved back to Maryland. And uh, by then, I had the electronic music bug, and I started making my own songs and stuff. And then I started my own record label when I was about uh, 19 years old. And so. Sweet. Yeah, I just started reading, like, all trade magazines of, like, where to produce, you know, how to reach out to distributors, going to record stores, things like that. And I kind of, 
you know, didn't take no for an answer. I'd go to like Tower Records and give the guy my record and, you know, and, and just keep knocking on doors. Oh, that hustle. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about that hustle. I just think about, you know, getting the, the podcast out there, or videos out there, getting yeah. them viewed or seen. It. I mean, we're so lucky, you know, say that I, you know, want to go out there and create. I'm still a new creator. It's like, but, you know, Instagram. You know, the message box is my doorstep, you know, dropping right. this line here, <laughs> dropping this line here, dumping this video here, dumping this video to share there. You know, yeah. we really have, you know, you know, a great, great leeway when yeah, it comes the, to, you know, the availability to get our get our uh, sounds heard, you know. Yeah, the outlets, the outlets are limitless right yeah. now. You know, you know, people don't like to deem this as an inclusive time, but, you know, I would I would ask you in comparison from then to now, you know. Yeah. I how mean, much more inclusive is it that someone can, you know, get their noise heard than get their... The whole process is, you know, you know, uh, available to anyone at any time, whether, you know, SoundCloud or actual creation of music. Before, you used to have to have all this equipment or access to studios worth millions of dollars and things like that to go in and make a record. Now you can do it in your bedroom. You know, I write a lot of songs on airplanes. You know, mm -hmm. it's one of the only places people can't reach me, I feel like, these days. Yeah, turning the phone <laughs> off. I've, I'm so addicted to this thing. It, I know. It's, it's like I'll shut it off and like it's like I have this beautiful lake right right down the street from my house. Yeah. Why am I just walking around for ten <laughs> minutes and disconnecting from the phone just to, even to get the creative juices going? Exactly. Like, it, it's it's kind of sad. Well, you know, I mean, I have a nine year old son, and you know, people will say, you know, don't you try to prevent him from screen time? I'm like, if it's addictive for us, imagine for like a little kid, like oh, they can how it feeds is. off their stimulations yeah. and the receptors even more. You know, so have to be very careful to limit his screen time things like that where was i gonna go with that um have you actually seen that the this photographer did this beautiful i wouldn't say exhi exhibition but he did this whole project of what it would look like when your phone's not there so situations yeah i saw that where people are like laying in bed and stuff and they're kind of like staring at their hands and you know staring away from each other and things like that in and bed everything. together that was like a really scary one yeah that was well, you know because you think about it yeah so it's chilling. Couples, yeah, and people wake up, and the first thing they do is pull out that phone. You know, you land everybody. The first thing they do is, get, you know, whip out that phone and see what messages. I think the messages. funniest one was the toilet. Like, just imagine someone <laughs> just there, and they got yeah. their hand right here, like they're looking over the toilet, and yeah. just like, guilty. I I've know. done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, that's been me, but I mean, I don't I don't know where we're going with all this. I mean, yeah, I I mean I, it's only we're, I, we're only feeding more into it. And eventually, you know, we're not going to be having those phones anymore. It's going to be, you know, whether it's Google-type glasses or things like that. And, you know, it's like, who knows? I mean, you're working on stuff with that in terms of, like, virtual reality. Yeah. And your project. Is that the part of the, the Garza project? Well, or I have this label called Magnet Magnetic Moon, and it's uh, a content portal, you know. Um, so it's not just a record label in terms of making um, commercial music or, um, you know, music for you know, people to listen to, but we also work with, uh, like a, a friend of mine at UCSF, he has a company called Neuroscape and they're doing virtual reality to deal with things like ADHD and other attention things and to stimulate the ability of a person to be more rhythmical. And so, uh, so working on that music and then we did a thing for King Tut, um, remember you showed me that yeah that looked really cool yeah, a friend of mine went to king tut's tomb and did a virtual you know i guess volumetric scan and so 
and they have this thing over in uh, London at the Saatchi Museum and it's you sit in this pod and you travel through King Tut's tomb and stuff like that so I did the music for that so also working you know with tech companies and things like that and to create these experiences but also bring the musical component to all that so that's part of what I do as well that's so cool and you know it, it's like um, I'm not playing devil's advocate here because I, I think it's like it's it's so tough to predict or say if it's a good thing or bad thing in mm -hmm. terms of I think people need to get out and see the world but you know so many people aren't don't have the fortune for, they're not fortunate enough to go out and see it and experience it so when you can create things like this yeah. to inspire people who have no idea these things exist yeah it's a beautiful thing or imagine you know like in the case of King Tut you know you have kids from you know places in America where they don't have access to travel and things like that the Absolutely. same way you know they can travel to King Tut's tomb and it's more interesting to be inside you know of that than read a book about it you know a boring textbook or something like that you know oh, I know and you have someone in an older generation telling you a story that's yeah. you know not compelling or interesting exactly. at all and I've sat in one of those pod chairs oh, in yeah. the virtual reality <laughs> and oh my god like yeah. if you can give a child that experience to go in the pod like through the temple because I mean like it's, it's one of those spinning egg chairs that rotates exactly, around. Yeah. So it completely distorts you from, you know, where you are, exactly. what you're experiencing, and helps you, like, really, so, uh, so it's really immersive right. in the experience. So I think I, um, the one I was in was, like, I was in a lake, and then I'm there, and you're completely disconnected. I kind of knew I was in the room, right. but, you know, and then all of a sudden I, I just get shot into a portal, and then I'm in a you know, a woman's stomach with a baby and the baby's like all the electronic synapses are firing in the oh, brain. Wow. It's looking over and like smiling and it gives me a thumbs up and just like, and then it ends and just like, oh my God. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, the dream is that, you know, there's a lot more, that there would be a lot more of that sort of content. But, you know, I also am scared at the same time it's going to turn into more people just living inside the Kardashians' house or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're going to want to do with virtual reality. But see, that's the issue, you know, people living vicariously through other people, not yeah. realizing, you know. And again, that's been like the interesting thing with, you know, entertainment, you know, or people that, you know, are very um, provocative or interesting, right. or appealing. They're going out there and they're not afraid to, to see the world, experience the world or, yeah. you know, share or tell you about it. You right. Know? I mean, that's just like with musicians or comedians back in the day. That's, that's what you had to do to be seen. Yeah. You, know? you had to go on tour. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of one of the sad things, too, is that, you know, when artists or comedians or musicians have opinions about the world, people will say, well, why don't you just do music and shut up? Or, you know, why don't you just tell jokes and shut up? But, you know, those people are, you know, one of the few strata of people in our culture that can travel around to all these different places, whether it's New York City, West Virginia, whatever, and they actually get to see the world so they have a better handle on what's happening in terms of, where we're at as a society so you know who's more you know they're very able to talk about what's happening in the world and I think that's important that's a great way to put it because you know I'd say in our time you know was it politics the media the people who we relied on you know politicians go out and take care of everything for us because yeah. we live here and you're representing us right they're completely out of touch you know we're talking about how fast society civilization technology move like these people just aren't even on the pulse. They don't even know how yeah. to come out here and talk to me. They're putting well, hot sauce in their purses and saying they're, they're in it and just like, okay, you don't get it. Well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sure just by you taking the bus down to South America and things like that, you're probably aware of how many politicians aren't even aware of what's happening in a place like Latin America or something like that. And then you look at Venezuela the, stuff yeah. that right there. Like, what, why, Nancy Pelosi, you hate Donald Trump, 
you don't want him in there, but you still just passed a $131 billion dollar spending bill for yeah. him to go off and be a blow up or do whatever he wants. And yeah. it's like, why are you applauding that? We don't e- want that. Exactly, yeah. And people We can't afford health care, but we can afford to do that. Exactly. Those bombs don't, you know, favor you or I or just anyone else in the States. We don't have access to, to oil rights to go yeah. start drilling in Iraq. Like Well that's why, you know, that's very uh interesting place for the government, you know, is they there's oil down there and so now they care about Latin America. But yeah. they they don't care when people are trying to escape violence or, you know, uh, poverty and things like that. But if there's oil down there, then you can bet we'll be down there. No, it's a sad thing. I mean, you know, look what happened with Colin Kaepernick, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's a lot of people say, you know, like, oh, well, he's doing this now and that now. Like, like the person's still living their life. They have to make money. You know, it's yeah. not like, hey, I'm just going to be, you know, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to walk around in sandals and a row and you right, know, yeah. a drape and just, you know, preach to the wind. Like you know, people still want to live. They still want to be successful and market themselves yeah. to help inspire people and you know, completely disconnect. I'm a big believer in the art from the artist. Like, right. Listen, I, I know these people that maybe done some bad things, but if I still want to like their music or look at it. I can, I can listen and look at the music, but I, you know, I can look at them and say socially, that's not that's, that's well it's no. like I think if people go to a place you know like the Vatican in Rome there's all this beautiful artwork and you know a lot of those a, big po- one. <laughs> a lot of the, the popes at the time you know they would hire artists who lived very you know crazy lifestyles and hung out with murderers and thieves and stuff like that and they were not the nicest of people but they created some of the most eternal artwork that we have on the planet and people still go this day to the Vatican to see those you know works of art I mean they have their own country <laughs> their yeah. own country they have walls behind it they the, don't even care you know pedophilia the, case yeah, yeah. we'll slap that away yeah, get they're, that they're, out of here they're the original you know mob and gangsters that's, and that's it yeah well yeah. I, I see government as organized crime and you know yeah. i think scorsese portrays that beautifully in all of his movies because he does so many he does mobster movies great yeah have you seen the new irishman i haven't seen it yet i'd watch it again it's oh, three yeah. and a half hours long but i mean it's pesci pacino yeah. de niro Keitel. i gotta check it out Man, it, it's just again like when he does the mobster movie, and I was watching with a buddy who's a filmmaker, and he was just we were just stopping and stopping and playing, rewinding, going over cuts and everything, right. and I'm just like, oh wow, just getting a better appreciation of it, yeah. appreciation of, excuse me, and I was like, God, that's, that's just one guy. I wish he would just you know make as many more movies as yeah, you can. You're older, know. you know, especially with that cast that he has. Oh man, but it is true. I love that Perry Farrell lyric: uh, "The gang and the government are no different." You know, what's what song is that from? Uh, 1%. 1%. Back, back in the day, yeah. <laughs> Even a song called 1% yeah. back in the day. <laughs> exactly. If it was relevant then, yeah. it's relevant now. I know. <sighs> Pretty wild. So let's jump into Thievery Corporation. Yeah. You've been with this band, you know. Is it, you started You started your own record about 19. Was that a part of Thievery Corporation? Well, it was called Juju Thievery Corporation before I met Eric. And... Uh, Eric had a little studio in D.C., and I went to master one of my records over at his place, and um, he wasn't there, so I was working with the engineer, and I mastered one of my singles that was coming out, and then uh, in 1995, I was working with another friend of mine who had a record label, and I was helping him out, and my friend said, do you want to go to see to this house club? To see Todd Terry, or do you want to go buy this? Is that the Norwegian guy? No, you think Todd Terry? Todd Terry, yeah, yeah. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Whenever he says his name, I was like, (laughs) yeah, I love that guy. That guy's great. Yeah, no, he is great. Yeah, I love his music too. No, but 
different guy. So anyway, so my friend says, you know, do you want to go to this house club or do you want to go to this uh, lounge that a friend of mine opened up that plays bossa nova, jazz, and reggae and dub? And I said, let's go check that place out. So we go there. I meet Eric, and uh, I walk in the door, and they're playing my favorite song uh, called Waters of March, Aguas de Marzo by Antonio Carlos Jobim and Elise Hegina. And uh, I fell in love with this place, and I meet Eric, and he's like, you're Rob Garza, Juju Thievery Corporation. He's like, I always thought that was a cool name. You know, what if we just shorten it to Thievery Corporation? Well, this this was a few weeks after, but we started working together. We put our equipment together, because in those days, if somebody had, like, a sampler and I had a drum machine, we could get together and do a project. Now, these days, everybody has everything on their laptop, <laughs> so you don't need to work with other people this, in the same way. So I knew that Eric had, you know, some keyboards and equipment. He knew I had some equipment. So we're like, let's get together. So we started uh, just making music in the first session. We made two songs. And from then, it's been, been very prolific. And um, we shortened the name to Thievery Corporation. And uh, we used to work in the liquor room making beats and stuff like that in the bar 18th Street Lounge, which Eric owned at the time. And, uh, I mean, it was pretty crazy because, you know, we're working around all this alcohol, all these wine vendors are coming in or tequila vendors like, hey, do you want to tr sample this new <laughs> tequila or wine or whatever? And people from the club were coming, you know, upstairs and hanging out. And, you know, that was back in 1995. And that's sort of where we started. That's such like an artist bohemian kind of like <laughs> like creation story right there. Yeah, we're in the back room, people coming through. But like that's just uh, you know, where all the inspiration comes from, where you're just like in yeah. the pulse of it, you know, into a scene, the night, there's there's music, there's people and you know, that's where all the inspiration comes from, yeah. the people in the world around you. And we would, you know, create uh, these songs or whatever and we'd go and test them out on the sound system downstairs you know so yeah so and we knew what our favorite records sounded like so we would take the, you know the songs we were working on downstairs and just you know meticulously you know tweak every song until we got it to that right spot but we didn't even use you know that much of equipment we had a i had a drum machine sampler he had a sampling keyboard a couple of tone generators and a cheap mackie mixer and like first two records were recorded on you know, less than five thousand dollars worth of equipment. Five thousand dollars then. Yeah. Is that still five thousand now? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say maybe like three thousand then, but it, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. so it's pretty cheap. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you said like you know you just, all you guys was that cheap equipment. I think uh, at the beginning of uh, the documentaries, the fine ones. Have you seen it yet? The one no. I was telling you about, the one Jimmy IV and Dr. Dre. No, I have to check that out. It's uh, on my list. Yeah. The um, it starts off and it gets it's covering Dr. Dre. He's just like um, just playing around with his Marvin Gaye track and just completely right. just, you know, in his massively laid out studio and the soundboard he has, you know, and just even like my dad, right, I don't even think he's a Marvin Gaye fan. He just recognized it right away. Oh, it's a Marvin Gaye song. Yeah. Whoa, what, what's he doing today? Right. That's, that's amazing. I'm just like, you know, that guy's skill. And just, you know, like you said, being resourceful with the tools that you yeah. have, like just gold can be made. Yeah, you know? I think it's really about being hungry and resourceful, like you said, you know. And at that time, you know, we had very big vinyl collections so we would be i think our goal was to take music that we love like whether it's reggae brazilian music from india old soundtrack 
you know, records from Italy and combine them with uh, electronic beats and things like that. So we wanted to make music that had one foot in the past, but one foot in the future that you couldn't really tell, like, was did that come from, like, a while back or is that, you know, something very modern? Yeah, I mean, that your music definitely has that mystifying effect yeah. of the Thievery Corporation music, for sure. You know, yeah. it's like, like you said, the new, not new wave sound, of the new wave of the synthesizer sound, but you know, where you're sampling so many sounds from around the world. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize the bossa nova. I mean, we talked about last yeah. time, the Brazilian music. It's like, oh, I've been listening to bossa nova for years. Yeah. Like, just Ashroom <laughs> and Jao Gilberto yeah, exactly. on the kitchen. And people are like, what the hell are you listening to? I'm like, no, no, no. This is, this is good yeah. stuff right here. And I always, you know, thought about, you know, records and things like that is, you know, really sort of time traveling because, you know, you can kind of go back to 1980 in London or you can go to 1965 in Brazil or you can go to a club in 1950s in New York and you know that's the sounds and those songs will take you right back to do you that have time a place, place in time that you know you'd say if I can go back and live in one place in time do it be and experience it well I think I'm happy being here as crazy as it is but if I had to choose a time you know probably like mid 60s when Brazilian bossa nova was just coming around and that sort of like optimism uh, that existed in Brazil I find that a very like fascinating time mm -hmm. Is, uh, have you seen Midnight in Paris the Woody Allen movie where uh, I have Owen Wilson plays him and it's that same kind of feel that uh -huh. I love nostalgia and I'm, I'm trying to write this book and he goes back in time every night yeah. to 1920s <laughs> like France because yeah. again you think of that time and place to be yeah of you know all the artists and the writers and actors yeah who lived there during that time and just I, like Oof, what a yeah time. that had to have been so inspiring all these people from all over the world you know getting together and you know talking and we're just that's creating when, that's when the world really kicked up a notch and just yeah. like i mean we're a billion person population and then when you know that next industrial wave kicked in because the yeah. industrial revolution started but like 1890s and 1920s like France and Germany right there like the end of the Victorian time things got a little faster right. it's like that's just the place I would but yeah. it's like imagine if that existed now everybody would be in those cafes staring at their phones you know <laughs> <laughs> no 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 we wouldn't I'd want to yeah, say I'd, I'd I be know. well you know and I feel that's kind of what separates us because you know I think growing up when we grew up it's like you know in a household there's you know one television or whatever I'm older than you so but um you know, and everybody, you went to school the next day and everybody kind of watched the same things and you, you know, what was happening. Yeah, WWE wrestling. Uh, did you uh, see what The Rock did last <laughs> Those sorts of things. And, you know, and now it's like everybody's a consumer. Everybody has their own phones, their own screens, their own phones, you know. And so it's like, so all of us, even in a household, are separated, you know, and it's just like, and so that sort of uh, communal spirit of, you know people getting together and talking and cafes or whatever and things like that doesn't really exist in the same way that analogy is so true um you know like i said i remember when i came into my house and just like i was the oldest and i got a tv and we're like whoa brands gets a tv he gets like, his own tv big deal <laughs> yeah like whoa and this yeah. is like a tv that was probably you know not the size of this desk but about like right. 30 inches but you yeah. know like this fat yeah like in the back like, exactly think big about box the, big box all the all the <laughs> The technology we have now condensed into yeah. such smaller pieces. I mean, to say this or that up there is like your TV exactly, now. Exactly. Yeah. It's truly remarkable. Um, what have you? What's the longest you've gone without sleeping to make a song? We're going back to you know to being in like the 18th Street. Um, like, you know, 
I'm not one of these people who likes to stay up for three days or things like that. I mean, you know, I've, when it comes to working on tracks, I mean, you know, um, especially in the early days of thievery, we would have the songs up for basically like two weeks because when we had our equipment, like to load in the sounds and everything, you'd have to load in like 10 floppy disks. You know, so we wouldn't want to turn the machine 3. off. 3.5 megabytes only, right? <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't want to turn off the machines because then we'd have to, you know, load in, you know, on both of our pieces of gear, you know, all these floppy disks. And so we would leave songs up for like two weeks, you know, and we'd go and just listen and listen and listen and then take them downstairs to play them on the big system. And then we'd finally get it the way that we wanted it. We would bounce it to digital audio tape. So first two records there's no multi-track recordings it's just a two-track digital audio tape so we kind of did everything as a performance and at one point we just bounced it to you know but um in terms of like staying up um for a song i mean not that long <laughs> Oh, you totally forgot here. Like, uh, Ruben in the bank right now is kind of like a night out. I need, I need my sleep. Like, I need, I need my space. At a certain point. Yeah, I'm kind of more about letting the songs, you know, come and not, you know, pressuring myself or, you know, to, you know, go crazy over it. I like to let it happen naturally. Because I think about this when you guys are on tour. I know you guys have, you know, sometimes five different singers. Yep. You know, coming up there. And um, is that the same thing that's going to be going on with the, this tour right now? No, so I'm touring with a four-piece. We have a singer named Emmeline. She's, uh, she lives here in Los Angeles. And a singer named Yesek from Minneapolis and a band called Enemy Plains and a drummer, Jess. Um, and so there's going to be four of us. We're going to be traveling in a van versus two tour buses with uh, Thievery Corporation. You know, Thievery Corporation is like a big cruise ship you know in terms of like it's not like know, festival headliner kind yeah, of thing when you become coming in with the crew yeah and uh you know with us we're going to be traveling in a van it's going to be you know just pretty like going back to old school you know um the way it was when you know it started back in the day sweet so, yeah it's going to be fun so then when it comes to the deeper um, how do you plan out a performance when you have you know or how do you plan a production because i think about <clears throat> I like to have my hand in all the moving pieces when I'm right. setting up a project, but you know, you have just five different people singing up there. How do you manage yeah. that in the show, pre pre production, like during the show itself? Well, there's a, the music side, and you know, me and Eric work hard on getting the production that we love and the sound that we love, and collaborating with the different artists that you know we're inspired to work with. It just sounds like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> How do you manage these moving pieces yeah. like that? And then that's one side, but then on the road, it's a different beast. You know, you feel like you're in a submarine sometimes because it's just like, uh, you know, you, you live on these tour buses for months and, uh, you know, you get out and you're like, ah, oh, raring to go, like, you know, and, and perform and play. And with that many people, it's really fun, you know, and, and there's never a dull moment. You know, it's like you're a big family. And at the same time, it can be kind of crazy, too. And, um you feel really close with these people because you've traveled all around the world together and, you know, given your music and everything. And it's, it's a really special feeling. Would you say you're more uh, in charge of, you know, handling schedules and personalities? Like, or is that no, someone else that no. handles, <laughs> takes on that project? We have right tour there. managers, production okay. managers, front of house guys, people who work on the monitors, lighting, things like that. Gotcha. So there's a lot of people who excel in what they do and 
there's a lot of things that I don't excel in. So I'm sure you've do you've dealt with some personalities throughout your time. I mean, you've been in the industry for a long time. <laughs> for sure, you know, and that always keeps it really interesting, you know, and, and sometimes it can feel a little uh, cramped in terms of like being on a tour bus after a while. You're like, okay, I'm ready to for this thing to, <laughs> for this thing to end. You've always finished a tour? Yeah, always. Oh I god. Mean, always finish a tour. I haven't missed any gigs except when my son was being born I, okay. I missed a gig but that you know in 25 years it's pretty good that's good that's yep. good because <laughs> i can think about on that bus those personalities you know just energy here energy there how do we make this person happy this person can't perform tonight. yeah i need them to be hitting this note and yeah or, he or know. she's just being a piece of shit like <laughs> come on it's not about you yeah and other times where you know you think if this tour went on another two weeks, we would all kill each other. Thank God it's ending. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so um, that was sort of the way at the end. And I say that with love. Um, you know, we're all like, thank God this is, uh, you know, we're at the end of the tour. We, we did a tour from October and finished at the end of December. And by the end, you know, some nights you're playing like six nights a week. And, uh, you know, it gets to be... A little grueling sometimes you know no but, no tour life man yeah. <laughs> but i remember i was in san diego one time and we had like six nights in a row and i'm walking back from the venue and going to my hotel room and uh you know that night i was just trying to get through the show it's kind of like feeling a little bit more like a job in a sense that uh you know wanted to get through it and this couple comes up to me and they tap me and they're like are you you're rob from thievery corporation we love the concert and they said you know our first concert we ever went to together was thievery corporation and because we had such a great time i proposed to her right there and now we have a baby you know and you realize the effect that your music can have even you know some nights when you're tired and just trying to get the show like you know you're inspiring people so you know like i forget who said it but you know every time you you have to act like it's the first time you know for the audience because a lot of audience it is their first time fact and it goes back into what we were talking about before people are like oh you shouldn't have a say in this <clears throat> you shouldn't have an opinion on that right. but at the same time like how many people are yeah. you affecting and changing like, i remember yeah. the first time a kid asking for my autograph I and mean, just like wow actually had you know the number jersey on his shirt and i'm just like whoa this is incredible feeling. Yeah. I, I'll still get goosebumps like thinking about that time. Cause it's like, yeah, you know, well, the now other you know, it's going to affect somebody. Yeah, now exactly. You know it's going to change people. And the other thing that I love about what we do is the recorporation is, you know, it is very multicultural, uh, in terms of the music, multi-genre, you know, um, sort of like this, you know, we call it outer national sound, you know, outer sort national. Of, That's you know cool. yeah. Sort of transcending, you know, these national boundaries or whatever. And, you know, our audience, uh, you know, it's all different age ranges and people from all different parts of the world. And, you know, I think that's very inspiring mm-hmm. as an artist, you know, and, and the message we send to people. You know, we have a singer, Lulu, who sh- she's from Tehran. And, you know, I, I can't think of too many bands that uh, have singers from Iran who sing in Farsi, you know, I think. Theory Corporation is one of them. We also have a sitar player. I don't know too many bands that <laughs> travel around with actual sitar player, you know, so. Well, not just travel around it, but, you know, infuse it so well, like with yeah. like how you guys do it. And, and again, you know, it's like 
when you see someone singing Farsi or hear someone singing Farsi, like yeah. you know, what actually is triggering you? What what is what yeah. about what this person is doing? You know? It, yeah. Well, I think you know it shouldn't. You know, and it's to be it's a good thing. I'm saying that yeah. people get to experience that. They yeah. Get to hear that. And exposing people to art and music from these other places, I think, inspires humanity in people towards those other cultures and not just, you know, relying on what they hear from CNN or, you know, what our politicians tell us and things like that, that, you know, Iran is the, you know, the evil nation and things like that. And you realize that there's this beautiful culture, beautiful people, lots of art and music and poetry and things like that. Yeah, I mean, until those people, I mean, those people, you know, politicians, uh the people that tell you about places, like, until you're out there eating with those people yeah you're going out there exactly with them, you don't know anything like i mean those guys meet people from other countries probably you know in geneva switzerland or whatever and think that they understand uh you know the country of wherever but yeah they, so you go to cocaine uh, colombia make cocaine <laughs> with the colombian you know, do you actually know what it's like you know, did you do that yes <laughs> oh really <laughs> last bus trip yeah is that what that uh, that thing out in the backyard is you have Right oh now. yeah, that massive thing. That's a huge plant. Yeah, yeah huge cocaine. Plant. We're making cocaine. our own. Okay, great. We're not actually making our <laughs> okay. own. No, that's all a joke. Not serious. <laughs> Just joking. No, Mom. but I mean, again, like that's like the weird Gonzo journalism stuff that I like to to uh-huh. cover. It's just like, oh, like this is you know this little powder that affects people not just here yeah. in Colombia but all around the world. Parties and fuels nightlife here, but people here don't even touch it or use it. Yeah, they're making pennies. So what someone's going to sell and make it like, let's, let's go tell people what actually goes into this. Yeah. What, what this experience is all about. You know, it's so fascinating. Yeah. And the, the people who actually have access to it and are producing it, like you said, make virtually nothing. And, and, then, and then it ends up like at the top of the food chain or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you have people in, you know, the UK, you know, snorting it during their work hours more than they're drinking coffee, you know, yeah. to, to work on numbers and punch in numbers here exactly. and there all around the world. And you're just like, whoa. And yeah. it's illegal. It's like, well, yeah. I wonder how much of that goes into the finance world. So you know, much, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, they, so much, yeah. They portrayed it in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Just, yeah. I mean, just nonstop in the office yeah, all day, every exactly. day. Well, I think, yeah, you have to have a certain intensity for those uh, kinds of jobs, you know. It's, it's <laughs> nuts. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, and I don't want everybody to go down and go, you know, you don't have to go experience things like that, you know, mm-hmm. like I did. But, you know, there's unique things that you're able to do, go travel the world, go jump into, you know, these virtual reality things that, you know, give people a new a new look into things, a new right. perspective, because we're lacking perspective. Right. Yeah. Now. Not just here, you know, in our country, but it's, it's everywhere. You know, people are kind of, you know, getting a little bit more pulled back, a little bit more reserved. Well, also, yeah, we're all in our own worlds, you know, too. And we kind of like don't really see have that perspective to, you know, really step into the world. And things like that you know I mean, that's what i love what podcasting has done i mean you've been able to do this with music you know and touring but you know i get to sit down and have conversations with yeah. people who are doing you know, amazing things yep and you know i get to bring those conversations the information you know, kind of dissect you know what you know what you've experienced what you've done to you know just power people through you know they get to listen yeah. to this when they're washing their dishes now or you know they're driving their car you know like we said maybe they're in the bathroom yeah. this conversation yeah. and i hope it, it rings a few bells for people who are doing that you know so <laughs> You know, you can't you, just, you can't you can't know how you're gonna impact people. And yeah. this is what and conversation what's what's another big thing lacking. Like yeah. people it, are more freaked out now if you say hi, how are you on the street. I know, it's crazy. That's how I start conversations. Because also, you know, I think if you wanna 
if you're asking a favor for somebody too, you want to, you know, bring them down to your level. You want to know what's like, Hey, how you doing today? Yeah. Good. Oh yeah. You, you guys have my bus. It's the hoop bus. Um, is it done yet? <laughs> yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people don't like to talk as much, you know, they're so, you know, part of this sort of text generation, you know, and I think it's more of a fear. Or do you think it's more of the technology? Probably a combination of both. I would imagine, you know, but, you know, texting, it just takes forever to have conversations and stuff. It's like, okay, you never know when it's finished, right? Like, I prefer a phone call. People <laughs> hate too. that because they can't get me off the phone sometimes. Yeah, people hate that too. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of old school that way. <laughs> I like phone calls because you just say what you're going to say. You're done. You can kind of read the other person's voice. You know, if a person's like, you know, if you're like, do you want to go to the movies or something? They'll be like, yes, or something. Or they'll be like, yes. And you can tell person's level of enthusiasm or something or whatever, you know you made me think about it what's really weird now like when i've said i love you over text message like to a girlfriend it's like i'm thinking about that that's kind of weird yeah because <laughs> like, where's the affection in saying i love you yeah. in text message? yeah <laughs> they might they oh, you know man, could read it weird. as sarcasm too if they wanted if you were you know there's a lot yeah, of uh <laughs> ways to read all of those things yeah oh man yeah especially i'm a very dry humor guy just think about you know women I spoke to recently who don't even talk to me anymore just because I'm just like putting my humor out there over text message and it, they don't just, get it they don't talk to me anymore right. say, <laughs> I haven't got a response back so that's funny uh, oh man <laughs> that is bad um what was I saying so oh we got this but the um we were talking about the production before and I know mm. in thievery you usually worked on the light design and the set design you had a really big play in that you guys have a new guy that's uh -huh. doing stuff like that or working um, on that his name is luke luke our lighting guy yeah he's uh, been working on the the lighting for the past couple tours and you know he's really stepped up our lighting game and you know really makes a difference lighting on a on a stage and tour mm -hmm. like that and so um yeah we've always tried to incorporate you know things whether it's video lighting things like that but think over the years too we stepped away from doing video because there's so much happening on stage anyways you know there's 12 people on stage so that keeps you really sort of enthralled and you don't need a lot of you know other sort of video things but the lighting that uh, Luke does really accentuates everything mm -hmm. no I mean um, I can't imagine you guys have those 12 guys on stage let yeah. the video guys run through capture the capture take the attention away from the you know yeah. you guys the musicians up there yeah it's, it's a mess. too much, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what does he do that's, uh, you know, what does he do that's different, or what does he? What's like the biggest thing that he's added to the show and the performance, and what is the? Uh, does it give you a little uh, weight off your shoulders now? Well, you know, it's funny because I always say, you know, I've never, I've never even seen a theory show, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on stage. So people are like, the lighting looks great, but I just have to see the, you know. I, I can only see the pictures afterwards. I don't really get to experience it the same way. I know that there's lighting behind me happening and doing all these cool things. Um, I think it's about really having that eye and sort of, you know, that uh, sensibility of doing something really cool is what he brings, you know. But I see the pictures. They look cool as fuck. But, like, I mean, like I said, I've never seen a theory show, so... You have to ask somebody else what it's like. So you haven't been there. to a thievery show, let's say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you haven't been to one yet. I haven't watched a thievery show. I haven't watched a thievery show yet. No. But what other shows have you gone to recently? Have you gone to any good performances? Who's someone that's really just kicked it out of the park? Man, I'm trying to think. I can't even think. 
give me a second on that because yeah. I'm like, <laughs> let it marinate. Let it marinate. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, have a sip of like, water, take a deep breath. I'm like, because you haven't gone to a bunch recently, or well, I've just kind of been rehearsing. Oh, now we've been on tour, so I haven't really, you know, had a chance to. Actually, I'll, I'll who, who did I see recently? I saw Tyco recently. That was really good. Okay. Yeah, I love his. Uh, do you know his music? Um, know the artist. I can't say. Uh, yeah. Per se, I know yeah. any of the songs off okay. the top of my head, but I've heard the artist. But show was great, and I love the visual aesthetic as well. I love the video. I love the music. He has a new uh, vocalist. Who, she sounds great. Her name is uh, Saint Sinner, and uh, you know that was a show that I I can remember. But we've been on tour, so it's like I haven't been going to a lot of other concerts. So when you go to shows like that, I mean, are you? Got your hands up? You jumping around, roaming around? Are you looking at it like, as a, as a musician and artist, and you're like judging it? Well, it can be it. tough going to shows because I think when you're in the industry, you run into other people like promoters, engineers, people who are working sort of the you know um, lighting and things like that, and then so you start talking to all these people or agents and managers and things like that, and so it's not as fun. Um, as it was back in the day, or if you go by yourself and with nobody around. Yeah. Oh, I know who I saw recently. The Pixies, I thought, were great. Sweet. Yeah. Where'd I you see them? them? I saw them at August Hall in San Francisco. But I went there, and then I ran into, like, 20 people that I knew. And so I, I had to, like, step away from them so I could just, like, go and listen to the music and just put myself in the the middle and probably my biggest issue it's yeah. just like I, I need to go and disconnect like exactly don't, don't listen to the sound don't listen to was that a terrible transition yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> enjoy it man exactly yeah oh it's the hardest thing to do and, now just yeah and that was one of my favorite bands growing up really know? yeah i feel like they really changed the landscape back in the day i got the first uh ep uh come on pilgrim and i remember hearing that and that just kind of blew me away and you know and to see intensity and singing songs in Spanish and things like that and, and uh, the subject matter they're singing about. But they're a part of 4AD, which is a record label in London, and, and uh, Thievery, we signed to 4AD eventually. But the guy who did the artwork, uh, Vaughn Oliver, on all the 4AD stuff, he just passed away recently. But uh, that that was a great, great record label. It was one of my faves. Were you really pushing to sign with them because you were inspired by the Pixies? Well, a lot of other bands, like Cocktail Twins, Bauhaus, Dead Can Dance, uh, you know, and, and I loved the visual aesthetic they had to their label, and I felt like they really cared about, you know, the bands they put out, things like that. And I was talking to one of the A&R guys one time, and he told me that uh, two of the bands that they passed on, you know, because people used to submit demos, and he was telling me that two of the bands that they passed on were Nirvana and uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. I thought that was pretty wow. funny. What would you say like, is the most like um, unique sound that goes into you know your music, whether that's Stevery or you know your upcoming tour now? We're talking like you know, equipment or sounds, synthesizers, yeah. analogs. Is a kick drum? You know what 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 sound exactly is like your go-to sound that really you know brings you, know, you into the music and gets your track going? Well, we have a few keyboards that I use. Uh, uh, Roland JP8000 and a Korg MS2000, which kind of we've used on a lot of thievery records throughout the years. So that's kind of like one of my go-to things. But like, you know, a lot of it just has to do with our inspiration. I think that there's a huge uh, reggae and dub influence mm-hmm. in our music, and that's part <clears> of like a foundation of what we do. And uh, you know, the sort of Brazilian 
Latin thing as well. And and then there's the sitar. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of things, uh, you know, in the mix. I mean, as you see, you got the whole drape on right now. I mean, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm, t- I'm talking to a gaucho. <laughs> a, fr- a friend of mine, uh, she made this and... Uh, she gave this to me last night so oh it's gorgeous yeah. no. even though cool. the hat and everything okay. we usually rock the hat yeah right there yeah another friend of mine she made the hat as well you've been so. to have you gone to brazil and actually you know really really uh i've been to brazil many times really i love melted into the culture um i had a girlfriend back in uh brazil about 10 years ago now so i spent a bunch of time down there as well but i've also just played with thievery down there i love it you know it's one of my favorite parts of the world how about you we mostly stuck to the west coast i didn't make it to brazil yet um or argentina but oh, i mean no argentina i know has a very very unique music scene i know it just has a whole bohemian side of the culture right like in anywhere in south america and i think people don't take offense to this but this is just like the thing is that a lot of Argentinians are, you know, have no problem living that 1950s, 1960s, just on the road, Jack Kerouac right. style of living. So yeah. it's like you're in Ecuador and you got a street performer out there and people in Ecuador, that's an Argentinian. Just like, right. just like whoa, you just yeah. can't call someone who's doing that. Like, no, 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 he's Argentinian. Right, I promise yeah. you. Yeah. And it's just like a really like open acceptance to, you know, living, yeah. that, you know very lo- not gonna say loose you know but just open open yeah. lifestyle yeah on the road exactly. making making money or making ends meet the way you want to make it yeah and um i just know they have a really good you know rock techno scene in buenos aires yeah itself so i mean i'd love to get down there yeah, we played uh Lollapalooza, the first Lollapalooza in brazil which is great and uh yeah those are two of my favorite countries to visit do you have a favorite place in brazil um, well, I love Rio. I think it's one of the most beautiful cities on the planet, you know, um, very inspiring. Um, I was just watching Black Orpheus the other day. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. No, what's that one about? Yeah, it's like a, a kind of adaptation of a Greek myth. And uh, I think like it's like Obama's favorite movie or something. But really? but like uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, he wrote the soundtrack for that back in, you know, this. 60s and that one the at Cannes Film Festival and it's yeah just a beautiful movie but you just see how beautiful that city is and it's a very inspiring place to be I love the food the culture the people the music yeah so. it's really interesting the uh, the cities that are very similar in that sense where they have you know this all in one kind of scenery um, and culture you think about LA like it's like if you don't realize like you're just driving through these mountain passes and there you're in the water these hills that we're kind of in yeah out here you just look to the see the pasadena mountains out here and then there's big bear you can yeah. see from here and it's kind of got everything you know yeah. desert just a little bit uh on the way exactly, to yeah. big bear and you know with rio it has those very 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 high you know cliffs and yeah. bluffs and the same thing like cape town south africa and yeah out there it's like you know driving on the garden route like up the coast there uh-huh. it's very 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 beautiful and those are places like some of the most you know luscious not ecosystem but you know fertile soil where a lot of mm. produce and everything is grown it's just, yeah they're really really just hubs of humanity I like, like yeah i was yeah it was so beautiful I, I went to cashmere one time um i don't know if you t- had i didn't a chance make to, it all the way up there but um i know of cashmere and yeah up in the north that India. is one of the most beautiful places that i've been to just stayed on a houseboat in a lake and you know horseback riding through the you know, beginning of the Himalayas and mm-hmm. things like that. It's just like really like, yeah, just that natural beauty. 
No, I know those areas up in India are truly incredible. The producer I want to work with out mm-hmm. in India for the bus tour in India, which, sad to say, is going to take a little bit of hiatus. Um, you know, this whole hoop bus thing that's going so well. Uh-huh. So, um, no, he really, really uh, does a lot of. He's like the sh- the guy. That's what he's told me. Uh, you know, okay. but he does a lot of the shoots for a lot of big brands up there. You know, Ducati, Harley Davidson. Oh wow! You know, works a lot with motorcycles. Uh huh. But he's going all on. Is it Lay and Ladakh? Have you heard of those two places up there? No. Um, those are kind of more on the border towards China, okay. up in Kashmir. And yeah. yeah, he's like, you know, when the season happens, by April when you know the snow kind of melts, he's just riding up in there right. doing shoots up there and just like, it just That looks. has to be amazing. Yeah, I was in uh, Srinagar in Kashmir. And uh, the other place I got to go to was uh, with the World Food Program because I've done work with them. Went up to uh, Nepal and uh, took a helicopter and flew around Mount Everest to some of those buddhist monasteries and things like that where they drop food off and things like that and have school feeding programs and that was like one of the most uh, you know amazing trips of a lifetime those are just such tests of human ingenuity when you just go up there and just say oh we've made it this far you know those are those are our people yeah and they're doing it i know totally it's incredible (laughs) it's amazing i definitely want to um you know Getting that that bus to the Dalai Lama, you know, getting him to you know, bless it or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting to sit on a council with him would be, I think, like the coolest thing for you know. That would be a project. wild trip, uh, you know, on some mountain passes and. Oh man, like like, I've I've gotten like limitations and constraints from uh, the producers. Like, this is the biggest size. We cannot go any bigger than this right. if you want to get this in and around. Because we would start in Delhi, take it up towards Dharamshala, where the Dalai Lama is, right. then lay in Ladakh, and then you're all the way up in Kashmir. Right. And then they come down uh, into Punjab, and the wow. border right there is Amritsar, where uh-huh. the Golden Temple is. Yep. Um, have you heard about the Golden Temple? I'm assuming it's gold, right? Kind yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's a Sikh one. temple, okay. and they feed 50,000 people every single day. Wow, 50,000. 50,000. So that was one of the videos and, like, the stories I wanted to produce is, you know, working 24 straight hours in this kitchen, whether it's feeding people or cooking or, you know, talking to people in the process, you know, because, again, it's, it's... That's incredible. It's a huge testament that yeah. says, oh, we can... People do this every day. Yeah. It happens, yeah. Don't look at the quality of the food, guys. I mean, no one's the quality, just, you know, Indian and Pakistani, you know, styled food. Yeah. Um, which, you know, people would look at... Oh, what's that? But like right. some of the most delicious spiced flavor oh, food that. in the world. Yeah, I love that food. And yeah, again, just to give, you know, perspective to people, like this is how the human experience happens every day. And this yeah. is how it happens here. And, you know, those are, those are the stories I want to tell. Incredible, so that's yeah. the India project. Whenever that happens, that's one of the episodes right there. That would be Sneak great. Peak. Yeah. Love to come along. <laughs> We'd love to host you on, right. on the bus right there. Well, we're traveling musician. He's just a regular yeah, traveling musician. He's yeah. got no background in it. And yeah. you're out there just streaming something. It's <laughs> like, oh, wait, yeah. it's Bob Garza. That would be fun. <laughs> uh, when What do you have planned on uh, traveling next? I know you have this tour coming up, but yes. any plans to uh, to go outside of the U.S. or uh, um, to visit anywhere else? You're dying, itching to get anywhere or back to Brazil? <laughs> back to Brazil is always great. Um, right now we're doing this tour, and that's in the States and Canada through April, May, and then usually in the summer we wind up in Europe, um, you know, doing dates and things like that. Um, yeah, I'd love to get back to uh, India and uh, travel some more in Africa, place like that, like, mm. you know, so. Yeah, I've only done Cape Town and driven all around South Africa, but... 
yeah, Africa is just a, a whole different beast. I'd love to, yeah. you know, again, take a bus, again, Joburg to Cairo, just yeah. right up in the heart of it. That would no. be incredible. <laughs> that would be, yeah. That's a, it's a future, future shot. Super cool. <laughs> future season. Um, that's incredible. So, again, let's talk more about this uh, upcoming tour. Mm -hmm. I know this is a, uh, I wouldn't say a new group, but, you know, this is a different project of Thievery. It's outside of Thievery. And we, yeah. know we talked about it, you know, it's a, it's a different side of you yeah. in terms of you know, the music you're making and people you're working with. Yeah, it's a new project called Garza, and it's more sort of indie, electronic, synth-pop sort of style. Um, and, you know, I started writing songs for other people and then realized that the music I was creating was becoming its sort of own project, and it has this more sort of optimism and it's sort of youthful vibe and it's more of a collaborative experience working with uh young songwriters singers producers and i just sort of opened up the whole creative process and you know collaborating a lot more and it's sort of just grown into this thing that uh has surprised me because i, I feel like it's sort of this happier side of my personality like and, and i feel like over the past few years it's kind of like it's easier to be sort of pessimistic with the world when you look at politics and things like that and things that are happening you know in terms of like climate change and you know things taking a step backwards it was interesting to do a project where i felt like this sort of optimistic side was coming out and you know sort of happier side of uh you know musically because i think the thievery you know we tend to uh, write songs that are socially and politically conscious, you know, and just, you know, talking about the, the struggle against Babylon, you know, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is sort of this project that is uh, just has a tinge of sort of this pop element. It's kind of fascinating to see. And for people who don't know, 80s synth, uh, synth pop in general, we're talking like Depeche Mode in terms of inspiration. Yeah, what things some like that. First, like synth pop. Um, I love Depeche Mode. Yeah, I love Depeche Mode. Too. I mean, they're great, you know. I mean, any anything, you know, from, like, you know, The Cure to, um, uh, you know, I like a lot of stuff like Coil and, and uh, a lot of uh, just, uh, yeah. Just well, it's interesting to see because, like, I, I love Eric Prids. Um, uh, yep. And, you know, I know he, he says he's really inspired by 80 Cent's Pop, and then I started listening to 80 Cent's Pop, and I was like, Okay, you know, you yeah. start to really pick up on the things that, you know, similar in tracks or, you know, especially yeah. with him, the long progressions and the long buildups and the synthesizer yeah. he uses. It's like, whoa. Okay, yeah. it's not whoa, it's great, but like to see the comparison, you know. The yeah, and I remember being a kid and, you, you know, you would hear those records and you're just like, wow, this sounds like it's from the future. <laughs> you know, like. New Order? New Order, yeah. Did you hear Big that uh, the new Blue Monday uh um sample them um they made a whole new uh remastered version of it for the wonder woman uh soundtrack or the wonder woman movie it's really good uh, really i saw the trailer like i said i have a son and so we go to movies a bunch and uh uh i saw the trailer for that and i heard uh, blue monday all throughout that, that was the, yeah. there's a whole new version oh, really? out of it with like an orchestra oh, at the end too that comes in it's Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's powerful. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I love New Order. Yeah, they're one of my one of my faves. And so, I mean, you guys got this tour coming up. I saw you just announced like twelve mm. new shows too. Yep. But I mean, you guys are starting in San Diego tomorrow. Yeah. Are you pumped? 
I'm excited, you know. I think, uh, you know, we've been getting great response and, and the traction has been great. And I think, you know, taking the band on the road is uh, just sort of the next step. And, you know, having people experience it live and, you know, getting to know the, the music in the band, you know, it's kind of going out there, shaking hands and kissing babies and that whole aspect. <laughs> you got you got to do it. You know, it's kind of like it's a campaign, you know. Mm -hmm. Is there like a, uh, I imagine a little bit different artistic vision? In terms of like, yeah, you know, it's not just you on this one, and you know, you have a whole new, uh, whole new group and band you're working with. Yeah, I think it's a very arti different artistic vision. Um, you know, Thievery's a, a big sort of traveling circus in a way, and you know, <laughs> we touch all these different forms of music, and this is kind of bringing it back to something. It's just a little bit more indie rock, electronic sort of thing, and you know, and scaling everything back and. Um, and just working with different sounds musically. Mm -hmm. What what would be like the biggest differences in the uh, the sound? I know we're talking indie pop, but let's so, talk a little bit more systematically. What, yeah. what are some of like the more so a lot more synthesizers, things like that. Um, it does have a little bit more of like a rock edge underneath it, you okay. know, and um, you know, inspired by an artist like Blondie, you know. Okay. Yeah, things like that. And we're also reinterpreting some Thievery Corporation songs. And that's fun to do them in different ways. Because I didn't want to go out and start playing uh, Thievery songs in the same ways that mm -hmm. people have heard them live. So I wanted to sort of reimagine these songs and, and bring them into sort of this more, um, you know, uh, indie dance rock sort of thing i heard one of the new remixes that are you call them like symphonic remixes that are out are those part that's, of the, is no, that one for that we played in the show or that's still thievery? that's that's thievery yeah we have a orchestral record that's coming out in a couple months here that we recorded with an orchestra in prague i remember i was playing it in here and one of my buddies like whoa whoa whoa, whoa shazamming that i've never heard that version <laughs> of the song because i was playing that whole soundtrack uh, at least that one that's the yeah. one that's on there yeah um so yeah it's 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 appreciated in this household. Here. Oh, that's like, cool. A lot of Thievery yeah. fans in this house. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, so this is, uh, you know, just a whole different way of uh, coming at the music. And I feel like it's more electronic than what Thievery's been doing lately, mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, you, like I said, you've been in this for a long time. Yeah, we're talking, is it 1996 when you were 19 you were doing this? Or that was just when you started No, when we, when we started Thievery, that was 95. I was 25 years old. Okay. Yeah. So when you got your first label and created all that was 1989, yeah. yeah. when I was born. Was That's when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> Still the 80s baby by four uh, days. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I made it. That. I pride yeah. Yeah, in yeah. that. Um, but the way you've developed a fan, fan base and a mm -hmm. fan group throughout the times, you know, you were there when, you know, you're selling CDs and you're passing CDs out mm -hmm. and people, you know, hoping to listen to it. Or cassettes. It, <laughs> cassettes. And then getting those cassettes or CDs into stores. Yeah. And then, you know, you've been there where it's like, oh, I'm barely, I'm making maybe $8 on this CD. Or then, you know, Shazam and Kazaa, not Shazam, but Kazaa, Napster, uh -huh. LimeWire, all that happens. Right. It's kind of like the music companies are like, oh, we're not going to make any money anymore. Yeah. So you've been there with like, you know, maintaining a fan base in over 25 plus years. And yeah. Seeing the journey of, you know, trying to make it in the industry. Where do, you know, where do Thievery fans, you know, are they Rob Garza fans or Garza group fans? And how do they, you know, play into yeah. following you? And how do you maintain, you know, giving them a, bit, a, a piece of, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a lot of fans uh, from Thievery Corporation who are interested in the different projects that me and Eric do, you know, because Eric has another project too as well called Echo Dome with John Maria, our uh, engineer. And so those people, you know, are interested to hear what we're doing. And so they come to the shows and things like that or that you know also dj as well so you, you have some of that and then you know a lot of times you make new fans and that's great too mm -hmm. for you know to find people that have you know no idea who theory even is and they fall in love with the music and that's you know it's it's great to have a combination of the two mm -hmm. is there anything you, you like try and maintain or try and like keep a certain consistency on to you know keep fans happy or keep a base happy in terms of like you know creatively like oh i want to make sure you know these are the things that i know people like or i really know <laughs> that i have a sound that that sticks to and i want to bring those things in continue like, yeah well you know i mean um i think if i did like a death metal band you know that might uh, you know rattle <laughs> rattle it. rattle a, a few years or something and people would be like what the hell's going on but you know in general um i think just focusing on a level of quality within the music and um you know really being inspired by by what i'm creating you know that's kind of that's what brings people in and i wanted to keep this in like industry questions like you're, you're talking mm -hmm. about you being this longest and you know we're talking about like artists you know what are they the ones who are happiest you know what are they focused on are they focused on getting you know headline uh, headlining um, festival stage gigs, you know, or are they just worried about their career and they're focused on that? Um, good question. I think um, in terms of being happy as an artist, you know, it's really about, you know, what you're making and creating, you know. I mean, for me anyways, I think once you start to measure yourself by what others are doing and things like that or getting to this one place... You know, it's nice to have goals and things like that, but it's not too, you know, I think it can be destructive to a point where you start to be like, okay, now I need to sell X amount of records to be happy or, you know, just getting on that treadmill of happiness, you know, mm -hmm. trying to find it, you know. And, you know, I think the way that I approach it is sort of just being like a craftsperson, you know, and just like really enjoying what I make you know musically and that gives me the satisfaction and you know the relationships that I've built with people over the years and things like that that's like really important to you know have that and you have a fan base of people who really respect your music you know and um you know they don't you, you know if someone sees me on the street and they recognize me it's because they care about the music enough to find out who it is behind the music because you know we're not celebrities or anything like that but people care enough that they they love thievery so they find out who's who are the people behind that or whatever so mm -hmm. that feels fulfilling so um you know i think once you get you know to the point where you're chasing around the tail of you know of happiness and fame or these sorts of things and you can just make yourself miserable Absolutely. When you're chasing download numbers yeah. and stream numbers. <laughs> but I mean, it sounds like you're doing that. Like you're actually living that by creating that Garza, this, this Garza yeah. you know, tour. Yeah. Going off and finding that sound that really uh, resonates with you or yeah. takes you to a whole different side of you. So at least you're, you're practicing what you're preaching. It's fun. Yeah.
I'm, yeah, I'm doing what I love. The hardest thing is to is to get back to that place where you're just so worried about the business side and managing that. And I, I can even speak for myself. It just, you know, I've podcasted in five months. You know, it's like, oh, I need uh, to take this next edge. I, I need a bus to record it on. Right, you know? yeah. And I even remember I saw you uh, give a talk at Pyramine School in SF. And it was just like, you know, really, really, really try to weigh out and level, you know, what is it that you are doing? You know, is it going to be investing in all this money and time or is it actually just going out and creating the art yeah. for itself? Well, you know, I think that there's this sort of thing like once I get that piece of gear I need, then I'm going to make my masterpiece sort yeah. of thing. You know, and everybody sort of has that piece of gear like oh, once I get this compressor or this synthesizer or whatever it is, this camera, you know, then I'm going to or this, you know, film camera, whatever, then I'm going to make my movie or my video or whatever but kind of have to start doing it now yeah. well yeah. air is life you know like oh no i'm gonna get to 30 and then i'm gonna retire and do this stuff yeah. and it's like this is the dream yeah we're living it exactly you aren't you know cause it's so crazy to watch you know when someone passes like for example you know, kobe uh -huh. bryant you know just he was yeah. you know larger than life human and yeah. something that's completely out of our control so we feel like Oh my God, like we need to point blame to somebody. Usually yeah. we can point something and you know, someone did something wrong or did this. And it's like, no, he's just accident. Yeah. Th things happen. Yeah. That's it. And Unfortunately. there's nothing else after that. You know, maybe he gets 20 seconds of silence at a game, you know, yeah. not him. He's way bigger. When you have other athletes, I've right. seen a musician. Just yeah. like, like you really gotta, you really gotta live it while you can, because it's. Yeah. At so any time short. it can be taken away, you know? And so that's why, you know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, when I'm, 30 or whatever age or when I make this much money I'm going to retire you know I'd rather just my work be what I love mm -hmm. you know and that way by working I'm actually doing what I love so you know hear that folks take that one in right there <laughs> one of my last questions mm -hmm. I want to keep you our day creative vices do you have any creative vices um yeah, my creative vice would probably be fun. You know, I've been trying not to have fun this past year because <laughs> it seems <laughs> like fun just keeps, you know, knocking at the door and creeping in. And then I get sidetracked from uh, being as creative as I need to be, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's like people um, wanting to party and like uh, are, you know, taking trips to places or staying, you know, longer after like DJ gigs, and, mm -hmm. you know, and those things can sort of distract you from your vision. So I think for the, like the last year, I've kind of been trying to say no to fun. And I say that, no with, to fun? I say that with a wink in my eye because <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just like, uh, you know, I have, uh, it's easy to twist my arm, let's say. So I'm a yes man myself. <laughs> you know, so Likewise. When yeah. it comes to fun, fun's, uh, you know, and uh, so I just try to be more focused on, you know, uh, creating this uh, new music and new project at 10 p.m. you get those messages like hey what are you doing yeah like, like oh man <laughs> and i'm still in front of the computer and i'm yeah. editing or working on something like focus and it's, it's not even about like oh i can go out but then you're thinking about like that next day yeah you lose exactly. you lose like a day after exactly that. yeah and it's yeah i even like it was like smoking weed it's like some of us like oh like hey what do you smoke and i'm like not enough you know, i probably don't smoke enough <laughs> right. I, I think you know, the creative input has to match your creative output. Uh -huh. And, you know, if, if I'm, for me, if I'm drilling and just working right. all day and just hitting, 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 you know, like, it's like checklist style. Like I'm getting stuff done. I'm being yeah. successful. Everybody look at me. I'm being, I'm accomplishing things, but it's like, 
if you aren't there to, you know, reflect yeah. back and, you know, there's so many, you know, vices or, you know, creative vices you can go back and, you know, exercise with. But like, I think like it's just needed for people in the creative space. It doesn't even have to be smoking weed. You know, yeah. It's taking a walk. It's, you know, yeah. enjoying nature. It's going exactly, on a hike yeah. and around. Yeah. In the music business, there's so many on the job hazards, you know, as you say, it's like, you know, there's no hard hat to protect you from, you know, <laughs> things like fall, you know, all the time. It's like, oh, you want to hang out late? You want to drink? You want to just set whatever? Oh, I can't like, even imagine on tour, man. Yeah, like, it's like I would consider all the bus things I've done tours, you know, yeah, we're driving to Chicago exactly. myself Friday. And it's just like, you know, the responsibilities of shooting or, you know, being a, a character on camera Yeah. and then driving the bus. And it just it's it's, it's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And at the same time, you know. All right. Hey, Brandon, you're in Denver now. Like, hey, let's let's get a beer. If, like we're going to go here after, you know, it's like it's like, thank God I don't have to drive one of our buses. <laughs> the hand <laughs> would have never made a it. Bus driver. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do that. Combine <laughs> combine the two. <laughs> I'll take um, you guys up on that. Take you up yeah. on the Garza tour. Especially we'll, we'll test it out with the small van. Yeah. OK, yeah. cool. We'll, we'll start with a right. small van. Sounds good. Um, I think I'm good on stuff. You're cool. you good on time and everything. I'm or? great. Yeah, I'm good. So. Cool. But I'm going to put this on to you to close us out. You know, anything you uh, just want to wrap up with in terms of, you know, not just tour, but, you know, because you don't like that inspiration that we're talking about, that little yeah. effect and push that we can give somebody today on this show. This one story I heard as a kid, I was probably about 17 years old, pretty much inspired me. Um, one day there was this eagle's nest and it was up on a cliff and this eagle, this egg, eagle's egg falls down around these chickens and, you know, the egg hatches, the little eaglets walking around with all the chickens. And, you know, the eagle's like, I want to fly, you know. And the chickens are like, you know, we don't fly around here. We're chickens. And so the eagle's getting older and he feels like he knows he can fly. And he goes and tells the chickens, he's like, I think I can fly, you know. I want to fly. And the chickens are like, you're an idiot. You're stupid. We're chickens. We don't fly around here. And... So he's finally like older and he knows that he can do this, that he can fly or whatever. And, you know, he goes and he tells the chickens, he's like, I know for a fact I can fly and I can do this and everything. And the thing I love about this story is you expect, like most fairy tales or, or whatever, the, the eagle to not listen to the chickens and fly. But the thing I love about this story is that the, the eagle never flies because he listens to the chickens and you know as a kid growing up that was very inspiring to me because it's a very real story because I feel like most people are talented and have something to offer the world but they listen to the chickens even until the end you know and I think that story hit home for me because you know growing up where I did like if I really didn't try to do that what I wanted to do with my life and listen to the people around me I wouldn't be where I'm at you know and that's what makes that story to me powerful no it's that has a resonates with me as well I mean I'm a short white guy who is you know <laughs> I'm gonna be a professional basketball player yeah <laughs> uh, sure sure yeah. you know especially as you get older if you yeah. tell somebody at 10 years old like oh it's cute it's cute yeah. 13 <laughs> okay yeah. sure 16 like what's your major gonna be as yeah. I'm like I'm be a basketball player you know exactly just, you can't you have to have not just the blinders on your eyes but you need to have them you know a filter on your ears to yeah. what you take in. Exactly. And, you know, because, you know, and it's, it's nothing bad to those people, the 
We won't call exactly. them chickens per se. Yeah. But that, you know, you know, they care about you. They worry about you. They want the best for you. But exactly. you just, if you know what you want to do and you want to be, it's just a Google search away. Yeah. That's not even my quote right there. That's someone that's a, a buddy of mine. Well, so. the, the, the only person stopping you is yourself, you know? It's like, Truly inspiring, man. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. For jumping on the show. Yes. <laughs> um, everybody, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll do the whole spiel. Go check out Rob. Go check out Rob on Instagram, Facebook, and go check out the Garza Tour. I'm going to make sure this is going to be out okay. by. Um, you should put something else on Monday, but I think okay. I'm going to switch it from Wednesday to Monday. Okay. Because I know. Cool. And um, yeah, check out the tour. They're going to be touring all around the U.S. and they're going to be hitting Canada. I know they added a bunch of shows. It's going to be going into April now, right? Yep. Go check it out. Check out Rob's new sound, whether you're a Thievery fan or you're just solely a Rob Garza fan. Go out and check it out. And guys, make sure you subscribe to the show, like the show, share the show. Remember, it's all about you guys being out there promoting and sharing these things that people get to see more of this content and get inspired by what we get to talk about on these programs. So, bus is out, guys. See you on the road. Thank you again, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, for those who...